Hi, this is Katie Sandy Smith from That's What She Said, and you're listening to The Board Game Mechanics, the amazing podcast with its new host, me. Uh, what are you doing? I don't think that's right. Wait, you mean I'm not taking over for Joel? Uh, not that I know of. Okay, um, so you're listening to the sort of okay podcast with two kind of okay hosts, one of them being Jason Smith, who might be looking for another wife. Just listen. Welcome to summer. It's the board game boys. And we're back. <laughs> boys of summer. Uh, this is our first Monday night recording. And Jason, uh, let's just say this. Had some had some low carb cabbage manicotti uh. with, with some ricotta cheese and Parmesan cheese and mozzarella cheese mm. followed up with a sugar-free special dark hershey's chocolate bar with dairy in it Ooh. so that's a lot of dairy that's a lot of lot of zany fun fun and it's the boys of summer um <laughs> we're not really the boy oh my goodness jason have you ever opened a soda and had it just like oh my gosh what's happening the rate of expansion this soda is having right now is insane <laughs> i opened my soda and it was uneventful Mine was frozen, but I've never seen this happen. This is a good science experiment for someone. If you're a child listening right now, freeze a soda, a can of bubbly. It's not really soda. But then open it when it's like half frozen and just watch the seltzer water volcano happen. It makes for good radio, too. Watching a can, it, well, a can of soda. Let me just tell you something. Um, boy, it, good thing I got a good gaming uh mouse pad that's very large if i had a just standard child size mouse pad we'd be in real trouble right now um so if this podcast ends abruptly it's probably because the soda leaked into my computer oh my goodness vesuvius this, wow okay anyway uh we should probably record a podcast about board games or something i don't know oh my what I'll, I'll don't worry. I'll keep you guys updated on how this is going. I'm Joel, uh, the volcano man. Hey guys, what's going on? I'm Jason. And boy, was that a frozen can of bubbly. <laughs> Mine was. Hey, so go ahead. Mine was just in the refrigerator, so it's normal. It's doing what a normal can of pop should do. I, I wanted to chill mine real fast, but then I got real captivated with a board game, and so I forgot about it in there. And I was like, ooh, ooh a, a nice, refreshing. Uh, naturally flavored orange seltzer water would just be delicious right now. Um, it it is it is, but I guess like club soda takes stains out of stuff, right? So I'm I'm sure this will just clean up my mouse pad, sure, which it could use to be cleaned a little, honestly. So good on me. Yep. Um. All right. Well. Anyway, this episode we are going to do the normal stuff. We got some news. We got some stuff we played. And we've got some stuff we haven't played lately because it's just it's just too darn too darn heavy to set up. It's just too darn many little fiddly bits to put on the table, and we just don't want to spend that time doing that, even though the game might be good. All mine are good. They're just yeah. And more. There's I don't know what the and more is going to be. I I uh yeah disclaimer <laughs> and more not guaranteed. <laughs> anyway, uh that's it. Uh. I guess we should get right to it because we got a lot of things to do. Plus, we might talk about origins or something. I don't know. Oh, uh, yeah. I forgot. Yeah. We might do that. 
first, let's talk about a few things of news. Um, first game I wanted to talk about is a new game by Elizabeth Hargraves. If you don't know who she is, she is the designer of the most popular game in the world, Wingspan. And this game is called Tussie Mussy, I think is how you say it. And what this game is, it's an I split you choose game. It's a little micro game. And the trick with this one is, is you're going to draw two cards. You're going to flip one up. You're going to leave one face down. And then another player is going to pick one of those cards. And then the person who drew the cards gets to keep the other one. Once somebody has four cards, all the face down cards will be flipped up and you're going to score points based on the collection of flowers that you have. So if you're into micro games and you like I split, you choose, go check this out. It's $10, and by the time this podcast airs, there might just be hours left. So it's either going to be hours left or it's going to be ended. So if you're interested, go check it out. I Yeah, I it'll be really close. But if you didn't get it, I'm sorry. Uh, this will be the one that you're waiting five months for, or you can buy a $100 copy on Amazon. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's hilarious. Uh, well, I mean, I hope not, because it's a stack of cards. I mean, how hard is that to print? Could be hard. Is Stonemeyer doing it? Ooh. No, it's somebody else. Um it oh dude, I'm Jamie, my boy. <laughs> my good good boy. I know you listen to every episode because you listen to everything that's <laughs> board game related. Um I love you very, very much. And I don't even mind that there were some misprinted cards in Wingspan. Wingspan. I, I don't know why I said Wingspan. Wingspan. And further. You just you just send me any unnamed prototypes that you want to have, and I'll and I'll give you good feedback. Anyway, uh, that was that was Joel at Board Game Mechanics, not Jason. Jason's the nasty man. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I'll be the nasty man today. Um, next thing I wanted to talk about, moving on from that, is the Iron Clays and Spades. I think these might be from Roxley, but if not, they're the same ones that were in Brass Birmingham and Brass Lancashire. They're like the poker chips that take place of money, but these also have cards, I guess. Really nice looking cards. Um, for a, a set of 100, you can spend 39 bucks, and it has 13 days left by the time this airs. So if you want some nice money to be used in your game and you're tired of paper money or cards or little pieces, go check these out because they're really nice poker chips. I, I yank the chips out of my, my brass game a lot to use instead of money, so that's pretty awesome. Um 39 bucks for 100 of them? Yeah, I think it's like 59 or something for 200. I I'm not awesome at math, but I think let me think here. I could get 100 quarters for $25 and use those <laughs> in, instead. <laughs> You're not wrong. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, I think that's against the law though. Don't ever do that. It's against the law. You can use quarters in your games. So no one's going to say anything. Yeah, I think you're just you're supposed to not use them as things that aren't currency. I don't know. Uh, I'm sure somebody knows. Somebody'll somebody'll the password is is that against the law? <laughs> we'll find out. That's the only way people respond to our show is call it a password. <laughs> That's true. Hey, here's our password this week. Share our podcast on a <laughs> Facebook page somewhere. <laughs> we'll see who's listening. Uh the last game I want to talk about is a little card game called Rock and Rumble. This is um, a game where players are trying to st- have the best band, and they're going on a battle of the bands. They're trying to get the best gig, best instruments to score the most points. You're collecting cards that are like a, it's like a manager that's going to give you an in-game point goal and all that. It's a little bit of take that. It's 
I only put it on here honestly because of the theme. I like I'm a sucker for music theme games. So if you like take little take that games and card games and rock bands, go check this out. It's $25 and there's seven days left. Rock and Rumble. Let's make a game out of this. The name of this game is going to be called Has Jason Emailed Them for a Review Copy Yet? Um, those of you at home, yes or no? <laughs> we'll, we'll give you a second to get your answer formulated. I'll tell you what my answer is. My answer is 100% yes. Jason definitely has emailed for a review copy of this game. I actually haven't. Oh, man. <laughs> no. I figured if it was a music game, you'd be all over it. I thought about it, but yeah, I didn't reach out on this one. Yeah. I, uh, I've i got a stack of reviews that need to be done. Um, I Man, I don't... Okay, here's the other password. Are we actually really actually bad? And like you guys are just really nice or what? Because some of these paid reviewers, like I'm like, what? What? And I get real jealous and stuff. And I'm like, why does why does Mr. Mojo Ryzen get to do a paid review? I don't think it's a real reviewer. I just made a name up. <laughs> yeah. But I've never heard of him. <laughs> that's my new name. <laughs> Jim Morrison. Mr. Mojo Ryzen. <laughs> Jim Morrison. Yep. Uh uh, yeah, I got a whole stack of things to do and I'm, I'm not going to email on that one. So seven days left, 25 bucks. But by the time this one's done, the, by the time this show airs, you're going to have to hustle because it'll probably be like two days, right? No, the time I put on here is when the episode drops. So it's seven, no! it's seven days. Everything I just said about us being actually good and not getting paid reviews. Like that is so much more true now, Jason. Good job. <laughs> you did the math. Yeah, I did. I actually put a little bit of effort into this one. <laughs> That's that's so good. We're doing so good at podcasts today. Jason. <laughs> Jason, so good. <laughs> so good. <laughs> All right. Uh, I have a news piece. That's how, dude, seriously, that's how crazy this episode is. Uh, uh, but I can't. You want me to say cheap, it? I can cheat. Uh, Jason, jeez. I can't. Let me think here. Uh, cheap <laughs> games. Um <laughs> Nice. Cheap, cheapest games, cheap ass games, um, is no longer, man. So that's a bummer. Um, and I think you were just starting to develop a relationship with those guys. Um, so the funny thing that happened on this, it's not funny to the people that are really affected by this, but it's kind of funny to me how they're like trying to handle it. Um, greater than games bottom and greater than games, put a statement out, clarifying it saying, yes, we bought, the naming rights and the games and their intellectual properties, but we are not retaining any employees. So like that makes it better. I don't understand how that's <laughs> Yeah, that's awful. But anyway, <laughs> yeah. So uh Dr. James uh Ernest, is that his name? I don't know. Yeah, his name. James Ernest. Uh is he a doctor? Or am I thinking of Dr. Finn? You're thinking of Dr. Kinesia, Dr. Finn. Yeah, I don't think James Ernest is a doctor. I'm making him a doctor. Board game <laughs> university gives you an honorary doctorate. James, thanks for your thanks for your twenty three years of giving us black and white games where we have to find our own pennies <laughs> and dice. Uh, I, like I seriously don't know what greater than games is going to do with this. Like I've never seen a cheap ass game and been like, oh, that looks so good. Like I just I don't know I don't I'm not into them. Well, uh, that's just me though. They're probably going to keep Kill Doctor Lucky and just scrap everything else. That's my guess. That's super possible. Super possible. Um. And that other game with fish. Oh yeah, fish cook. That game is amazing. Yeah, that one's not bad. Uh, for for it's a black and white game. Yeah, getting getting six sheets of cardboard <laughs> and construction paper that you have to cut out. Yeah, and finding your own fish hooks at home. <laughs> not bad. Nope. Well, cool. I guess that's enough news. Probably some of it was real. 
I think it was all real. Yeah, I just I think it's all real. Weird reactions to it. <laughs> and congratulations, Greater Than Games. The Dr. Lucky Games are coming your way. <laughs> All right, so now my one of my favorite parts of the show, and that is talking about games I got to play. So this weekend was International Tabletop Day, at least in America. If I don't know if other people celebrate that or not, but it's a made-up holiday that gives you an excuse to play games. It was on June 1st, and I played some games. So one of the games that I played was a Steffenfeld classic, one of my faves, and it is called Bruges, but mine is Brich, because it's in German. So, um, this is, uh, I played it four players. Katie played it for the first time. She loves engine builders. So I figured she would dig this one and she did. So this is a game where you have a bunch of your, your, it's just a card game. You're using cards in different ways. You're using them to discard, to get workers, to build this little canal on the board, using it as a building or using it to discard this like disaster piece, or you can d- use it as a person to put in your building. There might be one more action. I can't remember, but either way. So you're going to. Try to do all these things. Whoever has the most points at the end of the game is the winner. Um, that's pretty much the game. There's a little more going on because there's so many decisions with each card. So if you like Feld, you like Engine Builders, card games, I'd say go check this one out if you can find it. So that is Bruges. Yeah, I, I like it because of the multi-uses of the cards. Like I think it makes some really interesting choices happen in there for sure. So I I I don't know. I, I give it a definite, like if you're going to play a Feld game and you're not sure if you like Feld, play this one. But then realize that it's probably not going to be too similar to other Feld games out there. So um, That's true. Yeah. So anyway, uh, cool. Well, Jason, I played uh, Sentinels of the Takaverse. It's the new crossover between Cheap Ass and Greater Than Games. <laughs> um, just kidding. I played uh, Escape Dr. Lucky's Spirit Island. Um, <laughs> actually, Spirit Island of Dr. Lucky is a good crossover. That would be cool, actually. Yeah, I'd play that. So, um, anyway, uh, I, I guess maybe we won't be doing a lot of greater than games reviews in the future. Um, if they actually listen to this, uh, which is a really big F, really big F. Not after I tag them in it. It's not. <laughs> what you, you're really, yeah, you're awesome at doing. Hey, you better tag Jamie too, bud. If we're, if we're both going down, we're going down together. That's true. And JB will listen. Like that's the other thing. Like, yeah. Sorry, he does. Uh, all right, I played Bonanza. Um, I International Tabletop Day was again like I had to go to a family thing and sing a Vince Gill song. Uh, true story on all that. So, um, I, yeah, I, I sang uh, "Go Get High on the Mountain" by Vince Gill. I don't think it's really the name. Of <laughs> I don't that. think it's Get High. I think it's Rest High. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Get High is a different uh, song. <laughs> go rest high on that mountain uh, at a funeral. So um, that was my international tabletop day, but I still got to play some stuff, including Bonanza, which is kind of fun to play with kids um, until they notice the chili bean is smoking a cigarette near a gas can. Uh, just a bad role model, that chili bean. Um, pretty cool game, though. Basically, in this game, it's like the craziest bartering game that you're ever going to have because you're forced to play certain cards and you're forced to like tear up good things if you get stuck. So it's like a push your luck kind of thing almost with trying to get the right cards to pop at the right time. And you end up making the most insane trades like, Hey, I'll give you these four really rare beans for that one blue bean where there's like 20 of them in the deck. Um, because like 
you just, I don't know. It's just trading is your benefit most of the time, but then not tearing up your fields and not having to waste your, your work that you've made is also to your benefit quite a bit. So, um, Bonanza, cool game. Uwe Rosenberg, which is totally weird. It's just bizarre. Like he had to have been a teenager when he made this game. I mean, to be honest. So, um, Bonanza. And then I also have Space Beans, but I didn't play that one. But I'll talk about that one some other day. And I actually kind of think I like Space Beans as well as Bonanza, honestly. So uh, Bonanza is my game I played. Jason, I know you're okay with this one at least. Yeah, I actually played this this weekend too uh, with my pastor and his wife. Uh, I'm not sure how well it went over because they're both really quiet. So it's hard to um, do a trading game when people are quiet. It was really good until they noticed the uh, smoking chili game. (laughs) I don't even know if they didn't notice that or not. They didn't say anything about it, so maybe they didn't notice. <laughs> yeah, maybe he's one of those edgy pastors from the West Coast. He's one of those he's one of those Pacific Northwest pastors who doesn't mind smoking a cigar. Yeah, or from a little country church in Ohio. <laughs> uh, were they were they smoked chili beans? Yeah, we smoked chili beans. Yeah. It's cool. I like that game. Uh yeah. So Bonanza. All right, so uh, the second game I'm going to talk about that I played is a little two-player game that I've been trying to talk about this game whenever I can because I really enjoy it, and I think it needs a little bit of love, and that game is called Spirits of the Wild. So this is a two-player game from Mattel, which is weird, and in this game you're pulling these stones out of a bag, and you're trying to collect different types of stones to create these uh, constellations on your board. And you're doing that by flipping over cards that are going to let you pull stones out of a bag to put them in this bowl. Then you take the stones out of the bag to put them on your board. The tricky thing here is there's this little fox that the other player can put on your board to make it so you can't put stones in that section of your board anymore. And then at a certain point on your turn, you can use one of these special powers that you use when you have to reset all your cards face up. And those powers are crazy and amazing and awesome. And basically, once a certain amount of these clear stones come out, the game is over. And whoever has the most points is the winner. I enjoy it. It plays in about 15 minutes. It's fun. It's thinky a little bit. So that's why I want to talk about it. So my second game is Spirits of the Wild. Yeah, I've not played this one. I don't think it really appeals to me. Um, it's it's one of those like niche games that it just seems like you really enjoy. And I mean, I get that you love this game. The thing that I do want to talk about, though, is that Man, that hot new Mattel logo. I love that new Mattel logo. It's pretty sweet looking. <laughs> yeah. It's like one step away from Hasbro's. <laughs> it's it's a hot logo, man. <laughs> well, cool. Uh, I I know you love this game. And if I ever saw it on a like, pretty aggressive clearance at Target, which I think it might be getting close to, um, I would probably pick it up just to play it. Because you're not usually wrong about games. You're usually pretty right. And you've got good taste in games. So... Cool. Spirit of the Wild. Spirits of the Wild? Yeah, Spirits of the Wild. Spirits of the Wild Rice Patty. <laughs> I think that's a different game. Oh, it's a it's when you like mesh the two games together. <laughs> like sen- like Sentry, uh, when you put the parts of Sentry together. Yep. I don't know if that works or not, but maybe we, we can homebrew it, Jason. I'm, I'm going to try it tonight. We got to do something with our table at Origins. <laughs> I mean, like we don't have anything to put there, so maybe... <laughs> we just mix random games together. <laughs> we just dump a bunch of components and improv games. <laughs> I think I could do that. I think I honestly could do that. I probably could, and it would just annoy me. You make a function. I can make a functioning game out of a bag full of components. Uh, it wouldn't be a good game, but we'd have fun. <laughs> All right, Jason, you ready? I'm ready. <laughs> yep, 
More fanfare yet. We need a little more fanfare. <laughs> okay. Um, I played Wingspan. Is that enough fanfare for that? Yeah, I think we're good. <laughs> people are people are very excited. Um, so anyway, I played Wingspan, and uh, boy, it is it is really good actually. So um, I enjoyed it a lot. Um, it's an engine builder and Jason, it takes out the part of gizmos you hate and it actually requires you to think a lot more than gizmos does. Nice. Um, it actually requires you to read, not just like matchup diagrams. Um, but in gizmos, I think your big criticism was that like people could rush the ending on it. Yep. And on this one, there's a set number of turns you're going to have. So I like that. Um, there's no rushing the ending and it's just, it's pretty neat. Um, all the birds, like I know there's like 170 unique birds in the game or Yeah. But there's really like maybe I would say probably about like, I don't know, 15 or 20 different types of birds, maybe a little more than that, maybe maybe as many as like 50. But there's a lot of repeats like they do very similar things. So um, that's something to know, I guess. But that doesn't mean that the game's not going to have a ton of replayability because I think it will. Um, it's it's really cool. It's the components are really perfectly great. The only thing that's kind of weird is like, how do you store that cardboard dice tower in the box? The answer, not very well. So um <laughs> And, and I mean, it's just, I don't know. It's got nice game trays. Um, the art is amazing. And then like on the newer, on the newer, uh, uh, Stonemaier games, I really like how they've gone to like plastic directions. And I, I, like, I usually make a lot of real dumb jokes, but this is an actual joke. That's not a joke. Um, like the paper and the directions is made out of like thin plastic and the cards feel like they're made out of plastic too. So like the component quality is really good. The art's fantastic and the gameplay is really good. And my wife figured it out and beat me on first play. So, um, she really enjoyed it. It's, it's her game. Like if you've paid attention to the show at all, you know that. And she's very clear about how it's her game. Um, so, uh, at any rate, um, really did enjoy Wingspan though. Such a good engine builder. Putting these cards down, such meaningful decisions, kept me engaged the whole time through. The rounds get so much faster too, even though you're only doing one less action each round, because um, you put these like scoring cubes that are also your action cubes down. It just feels like the game accelerates so fast. Um, it's just such a clever design. I'm really excited to see uh, Hargrove. Is that her name? Uh, Hargraves. Hargraves, yeah, I'm Elizabeth Hargraves. I'm I'm really excited to see what else she comes up with, um, and that's why. I, I, unlike other people on this podcast, did back Tussie Mussy. Um, and I think she's actually probably a really great designer. And she's it's really cool that, you know, like we're getting representation from the from the fair gender, honestly. Um, like we're really dominated by men. And I mean that's not to say that that's a bad thing. It just is a thing, you know? So uh the fact that other demographics are getting interested in doing some cool design stuff, I really like. So anyway, uh that's enough rambling about wingspan. Probably not. Wingspan deserves a show of its own, really. I mean, honestly, um, based on its hype. Um, but it really is a good game. I think if the hype is a 10 out of 10, the actual gameplay on this is like a 9 out of 10. Like, it's it doesn't quite deliver like that. It's the best game of all time, but it's it's actually very good. So I look forward to playing this again. And this one's not going anywhere anytime soon. And I'm really going to enjoy this one for a while, I think. So Wingspan, I think you'd like it too, Jason. Yeah, I'll play it. I mean, I don't, I'm not opposed to it. I just, I don't know, every time I... It's a round to play. I just would rather play other things. <laughs> yeah. This was at the last BGM con, um, and neither of us played it. So um because because the the 
yeah, we had some ambassadors, some Stonemaier ambassadors at the meetup. So they, they had their real cool early edition. So anyway, yeah, that's that. Jason. Oh boy. Um, I'm looking at our show notes here and I'm realizing just how hard it is to spell millennium. <laughs> I definitely missed it. I think it's right. It's not underlined. I think you're good. Yeah, I man, it looks real weird. Um anyway, uh there's certain games that we just really like and they they're good games. I mean, these are all good games. I think all these games that I have are good games, but the either the amount of setup it takes to ratio of playtime or the setup to hassle versus how much we want to play that game that time. Just the ratio keeps it from hitting the table as much as we might like, I think is what we basically want to say. So even though these games are good, I don't play these games near as often as I would like because the setup is so fiddly. It takes a lot of looking back through rule books for setups and stuff like that. Um, so I just don't play it. Um, and I think that's kind of where you're at too with these, Jason, right? That is correct. So I have three games and you have three games. And I'm going to go ahead and start with my first game. Um, it's a game that I love because I really love Magic the Gathering and I love that whole like meta game, trying to like build a deck and like go face off against somebody. And that is um, Millennium Blades is the game that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say. Uh, it's super cool because it does really simulate opening a booster pack of cards and trying to get better cards um, in a way that you don't have to spend tons of money. And that's and it doesn't do it as well as the actual thing does, but it's pretty fun still to draft these cards or buy these cards, blind buy these cards for money, um, and then try and build a deck that's shifting throughout that you're going to go to competitive tournaments and try and win money. It's all really neat, but in order to build the deck, like the main deck of the cards, like you have to shuffle together like a ton of different factions of, st- of things. And so you can leave your stack of cards together sometimes and, and just use that. But even then there's like this huge array of cards that you have to put out. There's a shop part that you have to put out. Um, everyone has their own player boards they have to have. So there's just a lot involved with it. And so the other thing too, is it's, it's maybe just the rules even too. Like there's a lot of just little rules in this game. It's like, you have to remember two games, the game for setting up the game and then the, the game inside the game. So um, all those things combine together and I just don't end up playing this game very often. So that's Millennium Blades. I would play it a lot more in an app, probably. Um, a cool game, very cool concept, just a lot of setup, pretty fiddly, and so it doesn't get played very well. Yeah, this is one that I've been wanting to play, but I don't know anybody that has it or wants to play it. So someday I'll try it. I mean, I could bring it to a board game meetup, but it takes forever to set up, so we won't play it. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> Uh, well then it's heavy enough too. I traded this game actually to a guy in Oregon and I'm in Indiana and it was going to be $55 to ship the game. So I ended up buying him a copy off Amazon for like a dollar more. So I was like, okay, cool. So <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah, it was nuts. I was really unhappy. Like I went to FedEx. I was like, FedEx, this is going to be cheaper. And they were like, nope, $60. So, I mean, it's a pretty heavy game. Jeez. There's just a lot of cards in there. So yeah, it was pretty weird. Wow. Anyway, that was my number three. All right, so my number three is a game that moved onto this list only because of the expansion, and now that I have two boxes, I don't really want to sort it out to even try to set it up, and that is Dinosaur Island. So this game is not hard to play, it's not really hard to teach, but now that I have to find all the cards and the bits and the dinosaurs, it just makes setup a little bit more complicated. So this is one that even though I think about playing it, 
it stays on the the shelf and i just admire it so if you don't know what this game is i'll just give you a quick overview it's a worker placement game dice drafting game kind of where you're trying to get these dice to collect dna to be able to make dinosaurs to put into your park to create excitement and score points the more excitement you have the more visitors are going to come to your park to give you money but also the more dinosaurs you have the more danger you have and some of your patrons can get eaten uh it usually takes place over maybe seven to eight rounds depending on player count you're trying to meet these in-game goals and then whoever has the most points is the winner so i really like this game it's super fun i want to play it i just don't want to set it up I have set it up at a BGM con and it was taught there and it was fine, but I don't really want to do it. So my number three, Dinosaur Island. That was without the expansion. So I think the Correct, expansion, yes. you nailed it. Um, I haven't played this with the expansion yet because I just think it's enough to set up on its own. And like, I'm kind of waiting until I'm tired of the base game before I add the other stuff. The other thing too is like those like executives and everything like add it's any game that has modules like this where you're picking and choosing modules I think always has this layer of like well which one are we gonna play with and right. yeah. it makes setup kind of weird um but you're absolutely right there are just so many little boards to set up cart sh- like shuffling different cards and then the other thing too with this one that you didn't mention that I would add this is an honorable mention for me um it was very high on my list but the uh, as a matter of fact if you didn't pick it I probably would have um. The the thing of like you have to sort through all those tiles and take like if you're playing with three players, okay, I got to take all the four plus tiles out now, you know. So I mean, like, yeah, that does suck. That's that's pretty irritating too. So, Dinosaur Island definitely gets strong consideration for me. I love the game; it's very fun, but it's just a lot of stuff to set up. And boy, Jonathan Gilmore is not going to be a fan of mine um, because I have another honorable mention that's going to be his too. Uh, so anyway, <laughs> yeah, he'll be fine. He'll be fine. Cool game, really cool game, but like a lot to set up. Yep. Well, my number two, Jason, um, is Caverna. Um, this is one, too, that just, like, has variable player setups. Like, when you have different numbers of players, you put different boards out. You have to, like, decode all that. Then there's just a bunch of, like, little tiles and things you have to put out. And just everyone has their own set of, like, starting stuff and just a lot of stuff. Just a lot, a lot, a lot. So um, this game also – this list also can be called Games That Have – um, box inserts that cost as much as the game themselves. Um, because I think actually so far, we're probably so far pretty, pretty dead on on that. Um, Caverna definitely has like a broken token insert because it is just, it's a lot to set up. And so if you don't have that broken token insert, which I get, like if you love a game, it's definitely worth having, but I just, I tend to not buy those cause I would rather, you know, like I'd rather just spend my money on games, not organizing games, I guess. But, um, this one, this one's definitely in that category of a broken token would be something I would strongly consider with this even. Um, and I don't, don't normally spend money on that stuff. So, uh, Caverna, just with all the little bits that have to go out, all the different setups of the different boards and just, uh, getting the cards ready and just everything is just, uh, a lot in this one. So anyway, uh, yeah, Caverna. Yeah. I've never played Caverna, but Agricola is on my short list or on my honorable mention. And I feel kind of the same way. You got to sweat out all those cards, you got to put all the cards on the board. You got to set up your player board, sort of all the pieces. Like it's not as bad as Caverna. I get that, but it's similar enough that it's big enough that I don't want to ever get out. So yeah, I agree with you 100%. I've got mine in a Plano box, like all my junk in a Plano box too. And I still feel that way. I'm like, mm, it's just a lot to sort out. So yeah, Caverna. That's crazy. All right. Uh, my number two is probably my favorite Feld game, if not favorite, second favorite. I can't remember what's in my top 100, so we'll say favorite. And it is Merlin, 
This game was always a beast to teach, but then I got the Arthur expansion, which adds more stuff and an extra module. So a whole bunch of other things you have to set up, an extra die. And basically what makes this game a challenge to set up is each, there are like six different colors on this board and each area has cubes, shields, and flags that all have to go on the area. So you're sorting all these baggies out, putting it on these areas, making sure each player has their dice. You're trying to sort all the cards out. And then with Arthur, there's a board that goes on top of the board. You have some extra pieces you're trying to set out. And then not only is there all that, then you got to teach the game. So this one's partially on this list because I don't want to teach it as well. So I kind of snuck this in, but set up still as a beast. So this is the Steffenfeld roll and move game. You're trying to collect shields and flags to defeat these guys who are trying to come over your castle and kill you. And you're just trying to be the first person to get the highest amount of points. And it's a, a fun game. I really enjoy it, but I don't want to set it up or play it, teach it. So that's why it's on this list. So my number two, Merlin. I've seen this one firsthand, not get set up because we were at a con together and you were like, I need to play something heavy and crunchy and that I love. And you're like, I'm going to start setting up Merlin. I think you picked the box out of your bag, walked like three steps towards the table and you went, mm, no, <laughs> I'm not going to do that. Yep, I did. <laughs> Well, and this is one too that like with the people that were with us that day, like it would have been just really annoying to teach them too, probably. So, I mean, because they just were a little more gateway type gamers. Correct, yeah. Or like next steps gamers. So I, I get that. Well, Jason, my number one was a is a game that would be my number one game if it was just something I, I if I ever had a butler, like a board game butler that could just come set up a game for me and just say, go ahead and play <laughs> and keep track of everything for me and do all the storing of it and everything like that. This game would be my number one game of all time. As is, it's not in my top 100 or barely in my top 100, um, depending on how I feel that day. And this is one that I owned and traded away, and I wanted it like no other game, waited months to have it, and just salivated over this game, and just was positive I was going to love it. And I do love it. The gameplay itself is fantastic. But you play the game for like between one to two hours, and setup takes like between one hour, 30 minutes and an hour. So there's times where I would set up this game and it would take me darn near an hour to get everything sorted out and get ready to play. And then I would ask people to play with me and they would be either not super into it and I would be like, oh, this this is a real bummer. Or um, we would lose like real quick and it was like a lot faster than the game setup took. And that game is, if you haven't figured it out yet, is Gloomhaven. Um, I like Gloomhaven a lot. It's a very cool system. I like the combat system in it. I like just so much of it, but I've, man, I just feel like there's gotta be a better way. And I think if there was a way that you could, I, I mean, like if you know how we have like board gaming tables that have like the led televisions in them, like if they could somehow make a hybrid where you can project this onto a table or do something where the setup is like kind of virtual, it would be awesome. But as is, I won't play Gloomhaven. I mean, just I just won't. And it's it's too bad because it's such a fun thing to open little boxes and put stickers on maps and uh, make your character get better and then get a new character and do more exploring. It's just such a fun experience. But the setup is just such a beast in that. And I had an accordion file. I had two planos. I had a whole mess of like CD like envelopes that I would sort all this stuff out by. I did everything I could to try and make it as streamlined as possible to get this game on the table, except for buying again the broken token insert. But that broken token is so expensive for this game too. Um, and I'm not sure it would speed it up much more than I had. And it's just, I don't know. It just took a long time to set up because you have to 
look at these diagrams, do all this diagram matching, um, read through these scenarios and just, it's, it's just a lot. And so Gloomhaven, you get the crown for being my number one game that I don't want to play because it just takes a lot to set up. Uh, that's it. Yeah, I haven't played this, but I, I actually saw a post, uh, I think it was last week or something, where somebody was complaining about setup for the same thing. They said it would take 45 minutes to set up the game. They'd play for 30 minutes. Then they'd spend 45 minutes tearing down the game. So they spent an hour and a half yep. just tearing down and not even playing. That's crazy. 100% accurate. And that's why I don't own it. And like I had a room set up where I was just going to keep Gloomhaven set up. And even that didn't help because like... Just reacclimating yourself to the board being set up takes a long time too. And so it's just a lot of stuff. Um, I think it'd be a pretty phenomenal video game, um, but I'm just not into it. Yeah, that's cool. All right. So my number one, I actually just changed while you were talking about your number one. And I got pondering on what I had there. And I think the one I put here is actually more of a beast to set up. So my number one is Kanban from Vitaliserta. And this game has so many pieces to set up. It has little cars you're putting on this board. It has in-game scoring. It has little seats that you're putting on the board. It has cubes that you're putting in there for parts. It has, um, trying to think what else it has. It has a little. Those little like cardboard chits that you get when you go to, um, you know what I'm talking about? Like, oh uh, yeah, like, the, like the third book spot. and the time thing and all that. Yeah. Yeah. It, ha- it just has so much stuff to set up and you got stuff on your player board. You got these lock pieces. Um, and this one is definitely on the list because teaching it is a pain in the neck. Like I taught it to some people a couple, maybe a month back. And after setting it up, we were already 30 minutes in. So then I had to spend another 30 minutes teaching the game. So, you know, we haven't started playing yet. And we're in an hour. And yeah, it's it's a beast. So if you don't know what Kanban is, you're making cars in this car factory. And you're trying to get them in your garage to score a pile of points. There's also some arbitrary meetings every couple rounds where you're going to go talk to the plant manager and she's going to give you more points for doing some other things. So it's a VTAL game. Every action piggybacks off of another action and there's just so many decisions that you can make. So this is my number one. It's a beast to set up and I would definitely play it more. But man, every time I play it, I'm like, I don't know why I do this. So number one, Kanban. Yeah, it's got that. Um, this game's already this this episode's already explicit. We've said we said cheap cheapest games several times this uh, episode. <laughs> so I'm just gonna I'm just gonna say it the way it is. That that little pink <laughs> is not is not my favorite. Um, she is really mean. Sandra is that her yeah, name? Sandra. Um, that game is really awesome. It's worth it to play it, but it's an event to play, and that's how I feel about. Like Lisboa also, which um, uh, agreed. I think might, might have been yeah. one of your ones that you thought about. Yep. Um, and even Vinos a little bit. Um, like just Vidal, your games are awesome, but man, they do take a lot of setup. And it's like you need to play that game as the first game of the day so that it's set up and ready to go when people show up. Um, the other thing about Kanban is that game's not that complex. Like it's got like basically 12 spots or something you can go to. It's like, do you want to do this a lot or do you want to do it? and save some time. You know what right, I mean? Yeah. And, and like it, you look at the board and it looks like a war game or something. Like it looks like there's a million things going on there. And so I think that the stronghold like driver's edition or whatever it was called, um, where they color coordinated the areas, I think probably fixed that a little bit. Um, but I really think this one's going to get the, uh, the remake from, uh, Ian O'Toole with the graphic design. And it's going to end up being like the Vinyas board where it's going to have like a little cluster of actions. And then from there you go to another part of the board. You know what I mean? And I think that makes more sense probably. Yeah. Um, but the cute graphic design where they try to make it look like a factory, 
Um, just I don't think helped this game because it just has a lot going on on the board, and there's not as much going on in the game as there is on the board, you know? So um, I don't know. I definitely think it's a strong, strong pick. It's just it's hard for me to want to get that game out because I'm like, oh, okay, it's okay, here we go, you know, kind of thing. So yeah. for sure. Yeah, just setting up all the cars on the board is annoying. <laughs> like, come yeah. on. Yeah, I had Lisboa. So I'll go ahead and start with my honorable mentions. I had Lisboa, but really any Vitao game, I have the same issue with maybe the exception of the Gallerist. I don't feel like it's the most difficult. It's probably the easiest one to set up. But CO2, Vinos, Lisboa, they're all beasts to set up. So yeah, any of those could have been my number one, actually. I Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. They're, they're, I mean, there's not an easy to set up Vitao sort of game. Um my honorable mentions, Jason, I, I had Dinosaur Island. Uh, I already talked about that. Um, this is one that's going to be a little weird to hear probably, but I do think it's just kind of a pain to set up, and that's Viticulture. Um, just because, like, I think it's that thing of modules again. Like, which modules are we going to play with? Um, and then, like, you put your little glass beads down, and I don't know. It's just a little bit, like, not fiddly, but it's just, like, the having to, like, decide which modules you're going to play with and then trying to remember all the rules for those modules makes me not want to play it as much as other things. Um, Anachrony is a game that I really love. Like I enjoy that game as much as anything, but it's just got quite a bit going on with it as far as like cardboard bits that you have to get out. And even each player has a ton of their own cardboard stuff that they're, that they're, you know, uh, worrying about inside their little own player area. So maybe if it got the nice upgraded like minis, it would be better. But with the little stacked up cardboard stuff, it's, it's kind of a lot. And this one pains me. I still play this game a lot just because it's so good. But it's got a ton of like stacking up those little chits on your player board, and that's brass. Like you just, I mean, when you play brass, like the player who knows what he's doing, like can set up his player board in half the time. So he's like, hey, you guys start setting up your player board, and here are the directions for doing that. And then I'm going to set up the rest of the board, is basically how that ends up usually working. Um, but it's a lot of fiddly setup and stuff, but just such a good game that it's worth it. So um, those are the honorable mentions I had off the top of my head. Um, great games. Just, man, it's a lot to set up. Yeah. I have a few more too. Um, Trakirian. I really like this game a lot. I think more than you, but the setup is awful and teaching it is awful. Uh, Lahav. It actually doesn't have a ton of setup, but putting all those little pieces on the ports is, is terrible and they never stand up, but they always make a big mess. Um, Newton. I kind of wish the board just had a generic setup that I could always throw the board down. I think you discussed this, just throw the board down and use the stuff that's printed on there. Right. Agra. This has such an, an intimidating setup that I've only set it up one time and played it solo two-handed, and I didn't even get through the whole game because it took me 45 minutes to set it up. So I want to play it. I can't wait to play it, but man, the setup is... It's just got a huge cash register that you have to set up every time. It, it does, like. and the board is like a six-panel board, so it takes up like the whole table. It's insane. And then the last one I wanted to say was Castles of Mad King Ludwig. I hate getting all the pieces out of the baggies because I don't have the broken token insert to make life easy. Then you got to put them on all the little spaces on the the board, and it just becomes a pain in the neck. So I never want to play it. So those are my honorable mentions. Yeah, and so like on that one, that's why I like Between Two Castles better, um, personally, because it has that that uh, gamer tray uh, trays or whatever it's called um, insert, and like you're just it's much quicker to start playing, and you still get the, kind of the feel of like I'm building a goofy little castle. Um, but Mag, yeah, castles is a really good one to pick. Um, all right. Well, this is our whole episode. There's nothing more on this episode happening. Uh, thanks for listening. Jonathan Gilmore. You can go ahead and stop your podcast now. (laughs) 
the the last one I have, guys. Now that Jonathan's gone, is uh, Wasteland Express Delivery Service. Like this game's really good too, but like it has a modular board that you have to set up, and it shifts and buckles, and yeah, it's it's the one that I I didn't quite remember. But uh, Wasteland Express, very cool game. If it wasn't quite as fiddly, I think it would be more loved than it is. So, yeah, what games what games out there do you guys? Uh, love but you don't get to the table as often because of stuff like we've been talking about we'd love to hear from you guys if you go to the riveted.com it'll get you to our our facebook page where we do a lot of conversations um also uh maybe if you're watching this on youtube just leave us a comment we tend to respond to like i think about everything that we we talk about um in the show so anyway, uh, I think it's about it, Jason. Yeah, and we've we've mentioned that we were going to talk about origins this episode, but we'll save that for next one. Yeah, because origins will be happening next episode. So, um, yeah, if you're going to be going over the week, if you're on your way to origins, maybe or something, you could, you know, talk then. Um, I'm not going to make it to origins this year, unfortunately. Um, but I think what will end up happening is uh, you guys will have some origins coverage coming to you in two shows. So two episodes from now. Um, maybe look for Katie and Jason talking about what they thought of Origins this year. Um, and that's it, guys. Um, I've been Joel, and keep gaming. And I'm Jason. Keep gaming. <laughs>